the Requiem Metal Podcast, episode 77, Marduk, part one. Darkness Breeds Immortality by Marduk from the Those of the Unlight record. I'm uh, Under the Weather Mark Rudolph. And I'm Over the Weather Jason Hundy. And uh, welcome to part one of two of our uh, dedication to the unholy evil that is Swedish uh, black metal Marduk. And I um, figured Darkness Breeds Immortality is, a, is kind of a good good starter 
kind of covers some of the, the basic Marduk themes that you'll hear in the early era, if you will. Yeah. The tremola, melodic kind of, you know, atmospheric kind of thing that they did on the really their first three, four records. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of some stop start, some blazing speed, which is what kind of Marduk's always been known for. And then uh, also kind of, you know, they have a slow down part there with a little bit of Bathory riffing in it, if you will. So, but uh, yeah, we've been tossing around Marduk for a while. We felt kind of appropriate since they put out probably their masterpiece. I mean, I think the last three records they put out, I mean, Plague Angel, ROM 512, and uh, Wormwood have mm-hmm. been absolutely fantastic front to back. So sure. And they're we, kind of on a roll right now. And we uh, we did the Funeral Myth show earlier in the year, and, and you know, with Mortis, Mortis, Mortis. I think it's Mortis. Mortis. That's what I'm guessing, since we got two U's. Two U's, yeah, Mortis, yeah. Uh, and he's, of course, the, the kind of the new blood... Uh, injected into into Marduk in a way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we'll get to that in part two and talk about how some people don't like. Yeah, he's he's like, hey, this is sound, starting to sound like uh, Funeral Mist and not like uh, Marduk. I'm like, well, you, you've got if you've got a vocalist that unique, sure. I think well, this well, this is all stuff we should talk about in the second show. But I think <laughs> I think one of the, one of the things that you know to say about Marduk right off the bat is. Um, if there's a criticism that's been launched about uh, against Marduk, especially in their their you know early career, it's I guess the lack of diversity on some level, and, and I think that was not what turned me away from Marduk because I always kind of liked Marduk, but I mm-hmm. never really loved Marduk. They were just sort of a band that uh, you know if I was lucky I would pick up most of their new releases, but then if I missed a few, it didn't like bother me too much. And, yeah. Um, and, I mean, lately they've been one of those bands where you just fill in. They're like every time we seem to go to a UCD store, we find like. <laughs> hey, here's Nightwing. Here's yeah. Glorification. Here's this. Yeah. Here's that. So, yeah. which is nice because some yeah. of those records I didn't have, and so I've been able to fill in uh, parts of the, the the gaps because Regain Records, which is where uh, they're currently at, has been reissuing a lot of this old stuff, and so mm-hmm. I think it's brought um, the the older albums to the to the limelight a little bit more, and, and given people, I think, hopefully, a second perspective. You know, people like yeah. me that may, that may have passed them over at the time now. Um, you know, you said, you know, that was it that you got Dark Endless or Chris got Dark Endless and you got those of the Unlight? Uh, it, was, it was one of the two, something like that. And basically back in the day, this was before really any of the, I mean, before the bl- whole black metal thing really kicked over, the Norwegian black metal thing that we know about now. Sure. So this was more of long lines of, I mean, I, it was it was the same kind of thing with the first Dark Throne record. Like you hear, um, I can't even think of the name of it right now. Oh, uh, Soul Side Journey. Soul Side Journey, yeah. and then you hear Blaze the Northern Sky, and there's like that huge transition. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite as severe between uh, Dark Endless and those the Light, but still, it's definitely the more okay. We're definitely straight up black metal now. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the original those the Light co- or uh, the original Dark Endless cover. It was pretty. It's bland like some and... goofy eyeball with an upside down cross yeah. and a bunch of crazy crap on it. Looked like a Mortis Skull record <clears throat> or something. You know? Yeah, <laughs> or. Uh, <laughs> I can't even think of it right now. I was trying to be clever, but cold medication pumping through me, so I'm not uh, hey, I'm not on my game. It's the only way to do these shows is medicate <laughs> it, my friends. But yeah, you know, and, and you know, we'll we'll talk about Dark Endless in a in a moment because we're gonna open with a, a Dark Endless tune, and um, you know that the the early I, I think Dark Endless especially suffered from. A lot of people call it poor production. You know, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a lot of zing to it. Um, but not know. poor production in the sense of you know black metal poor production, but just like you can yeah. nothing's coming through and there's no atmosphere. Really. Yeah, it's, it's kind, kind of, of a bland record, yeah. you know. And those of the Unlight and Opus Nocturne kind of start to up the ante, but 
you know, again, I could probably pull a song from either of those records in, in a t- blind taste test and no one would know the difference. I mean, those records yeah. are kind of seamlessly kind of blend into each other a little bit. And, and that's sort of where Marduk was for, you know, albums two, three, and four, which we'll, we'll kind of be focusing on this show, you know, with Heaven Shall Burn. That's another one where, again, if I plucked a song off that and played it blind to you. The you only know, reason I can tell differently is the drum production on it. It's yeah. very distinct with the Rototom sound. That's true. <laughs> Pretty goofy. That's true. And at that point, you're moving from Dan Swannell production into Peter Tatgreen, uh, Hypocrisy, Abyss Studio production. I think the, the Tatgreen productions actually was a bad decision for them. Well, but that was the trend, as we'll talk about when we get there. Yeah. I mean, 96, 97. But I think what, yeah, for at least for me, when Marduk starts to get a little bit boring is when it's all the same kind of like sound frequency and where, mm-hmm. where Legion's vocals bleed into the guitar tones, bleed into everything. And the drums are just sort of like a bam, a, just in your face. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and, and that's, you know, that has its moments. You know, you talk about how like what Hellhammer does on some of the old Mayhem stuff is, is pretty powerful mm-hmm. or, or, you know, even what Frost does. With but even with that, you've got, you know, okay, you've got slower guitar riffs with blasting drums. Mm-hmm. If when it's all blasting and you don't and have tremola, any of the, like Slayer riffing, you know, and I mean, distorted just like bass and like crazy. The, the new record where you actually have a variation in tone between all the instruments. Mm-hmm. That's when I think it really like they're really like hitting on all cylinders for me. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, getting to I guess the the early era of Marduk, um, and we should mention too as we're talking about black metal, um, just because hey, why not? But last night we were uh, we were able to uh, witness the black metal documentary. Um, Until the light takes us. Yeah, which yeah, we have mixed feelings on. Mark wasn't. It was a interesting. Very big I, th- fan. I thought it was pointless, to be honest. But yeah, if, um, if you know anything about black metal, like you know, ninety nine point nine percent of what's in this movie, you know. And most of the interviews, I've actually seen more interesting ones. Actually, I saw both of those Fenris ones on YouTube before. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. And then the the stuff with Varg Victorin's uh, from prison, I believe some of that's been on Has YouTube. Been? But and, and I'll say this, you know, Varg is, is an asshole, but he's he's kind of a... Yeah, he's, you can't take your eyes off him sometimes when he's talking. He's kind he's of charismatic. enigmatic. You yeah, know? really. And uh, Frost was pretty... I thought the thing with Frost was pretty interesting. There was some... He's just, well, a, he's he's just not, a different kind of guy. And he's not usually hurt. He's not usually the mouth, mouthpiece of Satyricon. So. Yeah, yeah, it's usually sad. And I, I mean, Fenris kind of held the whole thing together with his, you know, he's kind of the central figure in terms of like being down to earth, but also he can kind of yeah have some fun with it. But no, I think yeah, the big. I mean, go out and check it out if you're into the the scene or whatever. Sure, it's, but and it's, support people doing independent films on stuff that uh, you actually that matters yeah. you know and hopefully this maybe opens up other you know especially like this and headbangers journey and global metal at least we're starting to see this stuff kind well, of happening you yeah know? if you're expecting like the black metal version of headbangers journey it's, don't it's it's people like it's like a performance art piece almost or something you know and it, and it yeah, take, guys. It, it looks at art under the guise of ignorance i don't know what yeah and it, and it kind of looks at how black metal has become kind of trendy and it looks at like how the trend has fallen into the hands of like there's an American director Harmony Corinne they talk about like his approach to like why he's fascinated by it and then there's another that's from that's almost 10 years ago I know and some of the footage is so old and weird it's mm-hmm. it's uh, I know to me it was a documentary made for the the sort of indie kids who find like black metal kind of like trendy and, and interesting and dangerous well, and it, it validates having you know one of those next to whatever you know, like Guided by Voices record with a Burzum record sure. next or something yeah. else. But anyways, so while we're on the topic of black metal, but we're talking Swedish black metal today. And one of the things that's interesting about Marduk, and we were trying to kind of toss this around earlier, is is who really kind of gets credit for designing and blending that sort of traditional Swedish black death 
kind of melodic black metal sound you know we, we yeah. toss around necrophobic in the mix you know clearly i mean uh, even grotesque had to some degree had that's true elements of it you know and you know even some of those early uh vocals by by Jokum on these first few mm-hmm. records has a, a thomas kind of scream over top you yeah. know kind of kind of feel to it and so it, it's really hard to sort of stamp you know give that sort of stamp of approval to oh well marduk did this first um but they were they were I definitely mean, a lot of it was all happening at the same time and yeah. everybody's pulling from the same influences just a matter of musicianship i think and how you're able to translate bathory you know or sure. something to yeah bathory or frost doing. riffs or whatever you know so you know i i i we can concur that that they're ahead of Nagelfar and ahead of Unanimated and Dawn and and right at the same time as Dissection and Necrophobic and and some of those other so-called, you know, black metal, death metal, black death, whatever you want to call them. The thing about Marduk is that by the time Opus Nocturne turns or, you know, comes in in 94, they're going a totally different direction. I mean, in terms of just pure speed, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're really sort of going in that. That that seemed to be after, you know, everything got, okay, we got fairly popular, then we got symphonic, and then we got just balls out speed, you know, the Dark Funerals, the Marduks. Mm Mm-hmm. Dark Funeral is another one that you'd have to, you know, throw in the mix, but I think they come a little bit later too, right? 94 ish. Uh, 93, 94, but they started out totally different. They were not blaze, you know, blazing speed by any means. They were more mid paced, if anything, yeah. for that first, uh, that first record. Yeah. So, anyways, you know, we were trying to trying to give some historical credence to to where where do you fit Marduk in the history of black metal? And again, this this early stuff has its its charm, but it's uh, you know the the song we're gonna sort of start off with next is um, still fucking dead uh, <laughs> from Dark Endless, and um, Dread from Edge of Sanity yeah. is the the vocalist Andreas Axelson. Yeah, had, uh, well, yeah, I'll go through the the lineup here. Uh, Morgan Steinmeier Hawkinson on guitar, who's the he's basically kind of the he's, mainstay. he's the main the yeah. main dude. And then we've got uh, Devo Anderson on guitar, and he'll show back up. He'll be in the band for a little while. Uh, Devo isn't Magnus Devo Anderson? Yeah, I think yeah. And a Rickard Calm on bass, and uh, Joachim Gothberg drums and vocals. Is Calm B War? Is that his real name, or is this uh, a different sure. guy than B War? <clears throat> Maybe. He's yeah. This is how he's credited. Huh. B War shows up on those in the light. I think. Okay. Well, we'll get to that. B War is the, the bass player for. I would have gone with time. Beware. But Beware. <laughs> B period. But. Beware. Um, you know the the thing we can say about Marduk is they were one of the first Swedish uh, black metal bands for sure. You know they definitely had the the look, the imagery, the you know the corpse paint. The blasphemous, uh, you know, lyrics, the blasphemous imagery, mm-hmm. you know, and, and those things were all sort of happening. Even if Dark Endless, this first kind of debut full length, is not very, uh, it, it has its moments, you know. Like there's a tune like the Black or Sun Turns Black as Night, which have sort of some black metal speed and a few kind of black metal riffs mixed in. But then they always sort of fall back into Bathory Frost kind of. Rehash. And just a lot of death metal. Yeah, and and mixed the in with the production. fact that Dan Swano is he's at least mixing this record. We couldn't find out who gets production. They might credit. have yeah recorded themselves and he mixed. But even like visually with uh, you know the album covers from Dark Endless to those in Light, we go to the stark black, white, and red of you sure. know what we consider black metal. Although we would we would be remiss if we failed to mention their their first 
uh, full thing that they did. It wasn't a full album, but the the first EP. And I don't know if you remember getting this. Who you or Chris? The uh, what the, the fuck me Jesus EP? Yeah, the fuck I me got Jesus. It. I had the T-shirt. Okay. Oh, there you go. That's one. For <laughs> I was the, in high school though. Yeah, one so for the family. Like, yeah. And uh, that's a pretty notorious, um, you know, debut, if you will, debut EP. Well, um, it has the Exorcist uh, samples and everything. Sure. In it. And I mean, the cover is pretty. I mean, that's way before Cradle of Filth even thought about being, you know, trying to having nuns having sex or any of that kind sure. of stuff yeah and uh you know a woman bent well, over like having sex with a crucifix yeah a, with a nun hat on and it's totally uh you know straight black white and red i think so mm-hmm. there's like no mistaking what's going yeah. on yeah now what, what was the impact when that came out i mean did that because of the title well, it was on the, the it was on osmos a, a small french label at the time i mean it was fairly like cultish along with like i mean similar it was close to the same time Impel nazarene was coming out okay which was totally different kind of sound i mean there's a Finnish black metal, which we didn't see a whole lot coming out of <laughs> yeah. there, but yeah. no, I think they were kind of instrumental in <clears throat> at least having that more like industrial sonic, you know, quality bring into the into the mix. But I mean, was this was this pushing the envelope in a whole another way than say what Mayhem and Emperor and Dark Throne were? Doing? I think people dismissed it because it was so over the top. Did it seem sort of like jokey or not jokey? Well, I mean, most people carnival. that yeah that were like, deeper into the scene or at least have been around in the scene longer than I had, they didn't seem to have much respect for Marduk. It was more of a novelty. Yeah, and I can I could see that. I always thought, that and I think that was after kind of a novelty, yeah, like through their, when they started doing all their the super speed you know phase, I think they started just reputation for longevity mm-hmm. and like well they're pretty good musicians but then only in the last couple of years have they got like a whole lot of critical acclaim i would say you know and and i don't, I don't want to say this but there's certain eras of marduk that they're just sort of flat out boring you know yeah uh i mean they're competent and there's some decent riffs every you know but i think the songs, they but. i mean i just saw an interview with um with uh, morgan where he's talking about you know all he thinks about all the time when he wakes up in the morning thinks marduk. Of marduk, when it he was in that decibel was that one pager there's yeah. A, yeah there's actually one uh an audio inter- or a video interview where he's talking on the bus with like some 60 year old lady in philly which yeah. is kind of funny but <laughs> i think he thinks about it so much and almost it, it it's a business in some sense so i think you can lose a little bit of your creativity because you're putting on an album almost i mean you're basically putting on an album or an ep every year yeah for 20 years you you might lose a little bit of steam until you you know inject until you new get members new, into the, new stuff and yeah and we'll get to that stuff in part two but um yeah, and I think you'll hear, you know, in, in Still Effing Dead or Still Fucking Dead from when we go to this into the Those of the Unlightened Wolves, which are the two tracks, uh, two additional tracks we're going to play from the aforementioned Those of the Unlight, which is their second record from 93. You're going to all kind of start to see, I think, um, more focus, you know, at least with and this more type of varied, sound. you know, songwriting and more atmosphere, I think, more so than the first Oh, record. absolutely. You know, on a tune like Those of the Unlight, you know, it's really kind of the the kind of foundation of the ultimate Swedish black metal riff and the bass is pretty audible in this mm-hmm. era um, you know Wolves is you know slower kind of grindier it almost has like a freezing moon kind of feel to it it's got some like kind of eerie freezing moon kind of pacing to it uh, and definitely a melody that's straight out of the, the dissection kind of you know stuff but I guess one question before we go in into break and it just <laughs> kind of popped into my head and we, we could probably talk to about this later but do you think that the problem was is that there was no producer in Sweden that knew how to like capture black metal sound? Like say there was in Norway, people understood black metal a little bit more there, whereas like Marduk was trying, but they were only going to Swano and all Swano knew was really sort was of death metal. metal. And know, I think at this point too, um Marduk seemed like they were more more along the lines of band they had a more musicianship 
in, incorporated into it, not doing the the whole Burzum Dark Throne like lo fi thing. Grim. Yeah, yeah, and their music doesn't it doesn't really suit that kind of recording style. It yeah. just gets it gets lost and turns to mud. I think. Yeah, that that could have been one of the yeah one of the big so, reasons. I don't know. It's kind of something to think about. But anyways, let's uh, let's get back to some <clears throat> some tunage here. We've got uh, Still Fucking Dead from uh, the debut full length Dark Endless, and then as I mentioned, uh, Those of the Unlight and Wolves from Those of the Unlight. So enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We just heard wolves, those in the light, and still fucking dead. Yes, sir. Yes, Had a lot sir. of swearing lately, but yeah. that's okay because it's all song titles. It's not us being filth bags, you know. I know. I mean, <laughs> we, you know, if there's one thing out there, it's it's that we don't want to, you know. I think we we especially the Cannibal Corpse show was very challenging in terms of like how do you approach that? You know, you don't want to like breed censorship, yeah. And so you just have to sort of take it as it goes and. You know, well, the, the clean tag is something that is uh, it's self-imposed clean tag, so it's not always clean. Yeah, I mean, we we try. You know, we don't want it to sound like two kind of ass clowns. There, yeah, there you go, swearing again. But you know, two guys just sitting around like two kind of debased metalheads who are like, "Man, effing sweet man, love." You know, that's that's if not how Mark use, and I have approached. If this, you have to use a genre. swear as a descriptor all the time, that's you know, some some once in a while that that works. But yeah. I mean, go back to like. You know, one of my uh, least favorite fanzines, the uh, Sounds of Death. Ten fucking skulls. All right. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it just seems, stu- it just kind of, you know. It kinda, you know, it, it, delegitimate. It's, it's diminutive of, yeah. of the term, you know. Like, if you're going <clears> to <throat> use, you know, the you know the F-bomb every so often to, you know, be like F and crushing or something. I mean, yeah. there, there's something to be said about using it every so often because then it truly has kind of But, yeah, you looked at the reviews and it was like everything was like yeah, and that's, F this, that, F that, F that's whatever. Right. But, so, but, um. We're kind of entering, uh, I guess, stage two of, of Marduk's sound, which is where they really kind of, kind of grasp the the. They, they get rid of some of the Bathory isms a little bit more, um, the slowness, and they go more towards the. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, they're still there, especially in materializing stone, but yeah. now they're really trying to like achieve like a new kind of level of blazing speed. You know, with tunes like uh, Untrodden Paths. Uh, Infernal Eternal, Black Tormentor of Satan, you know, mm-hmm. these these tunes that we're going to sort of be getting into. And Opus Nocturne is, uh, this is the first Marduk record I ever had. And it's, I mean, I don't know, do you think... It's their era of awful covers, too. Yeah, oh man. They were, they were really into the Tolkien stuff, um, along with kind of just stupid blasphemy kind of looking covers. I mean, this is very cartoonish. It's it, it looks like I mean it's all done in like colored pencil. It looked like it, the back of somebody's folder after you know they just watched Lord of the Rings movie or yeah. read the book or. Well, and then of course the heaven shall burn when we are gathered. The original cover is like orcs, yeah, with a purple background. See, I think that was part of the problem. Like, okay, if everybody else had you know corpse painted black and white photo covers, mm-hmm. and then we've got these with goblins and stuff. Yeah, it's like okay. I, again, I, I don't know if that's again a product of not coming from the environment of Norway. You know, who knows? I mean, Dissection had not bad. You know, they were great covers from Chris and Wallen, but they certainly weren't like traditional black metal covers. Oh, not know? at all. I mean, Somberland's a dude riding a you know yeah, horse drawn like carriage, carriage. <laughs> yeah, or a carriage, and then you know the rider of death kind of. Yeah, uh, I mean that's know, just Lord kind of, of classic type of thing, and they're cool covers, Dissection uh, at least. But you know. Again, the but whole- I think Murdoch has the, trumped everybody. At least the last couple bands we mentioned on logos. Yes, they've got a pretty classic logo. That is, that is a pretty awesome. Uh, the upside down cross in the middle with the six six sixes around it. And yeah, the, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Uh, but this one, Chris actually recommended this one to me. I think I borrowed it from him and, and had it on cassette tape, and so I listened to it a little bit. And then, um, not too long after this. Because I didn't get into Marduk till probably 96, so I was kind of mm-hmm. late to the game, you know, 95, 96. So Opus Nocturne had already come out. Heaven Shall Burn had, had come out in 96. And really what kind of got me into Marduk was I had to review Live in Germania, which came out, I think, in 97, which was the Heaven Shall Burn tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you know, I, I kind of got into like a lot of the old classic songs through that live record. And Marduk's been like notorious for like, have you? Is there another black metal band you can even think of that's come close to as many live records as as Marduk? What do they have? Said? Four. Live in Germania, Infernal Eternal, Warshaw. Uh, I, I swear there's another one. I think there's another one. It's not an EP. Yeah, and then all these uh, re-releases that they've been doing on Regain all have live bonus tracks and stuff, yeah. which is great. It's cool, but it's like, holy crap. You know, how much of the stuff can you absorb live, especially the blazing fast, you know, like Panzer yeah. Division era, where it's yeah. just like, what the hell is that song? You know, <laughs> it sounded like the five previous. So... Yeah, it's kind of a so Marduk. You know, they're black metal. They're, there's they have their own sort of thing going, and for some reason, they they felt that the world has wanted live Marduk for many years, and uh, continue continue to get them out to the the fans. So, but uh, yeah, Opus Nocturne, um, late '94, Swano produced. This is the last record with uh, Joachim on vocals, mm-hmm. and we're about to actually it's the last record with him. Period. But yeah. Because he was the drummer as well, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and so we're we're about to enter into the Legion era, if you will. Um, what are your Famous from Abruptum? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think uh, Heaven Shall Burn. He does a pretty good performance, but after that, his vocals are kind of grating, mm-hmm. and not in a uh, you know, not the, in a way to complement the music either. It's grating in a way where it's just like, God, this is this is just kind of annoying. It's just a yeah, 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 barky kind of kind of vocal that doesn't all really very high register with not a lot of diversity going yeah on. he doesn't and he doesn't enunciate anything either for mm-hmm. at least on, on the first on uh, on opus yeah well he's not an opus you mean heaven shall on burn. heaven shall burn yeah. that's right on heaven shall burn he enunciates a little bit but once we get into the super super speed eras of stuff up until like you know world funeral i think it was i think that's, that's the last, the last one, one. On. yep is uh yeah he just slowly and slowly gets more and more irritating to me and it's just monotonous and doesn't he, he doesn't really add anything to the music it's not adding another dimension mm-hmm. or another layer or anything to it and the, i guess the only other time i liked him besides heaven shall burn or at least he had any sort of distinction is is the slower side the second half <clears throat> of nightwing you yeah know? And, and after that it's all just you know like you said just the one monotonous sort of sound and and i know there's been controversy because there's some people who are like legion loyalists if you will who are out there who love that era of uh, the la danse macabre and, mm-hmm. and some of that or la grande the grand danse macabre. La danse macabre yeah world funeral era you know i mean and panzer division has its charms which we'll talk mm-hmm. about later but uh you know it, it's it's sort of again this resistance to the new sound of marduk that i think you're getting and that's why you know that I mean, could be i mean mortus is so so i mean unique i mean there's he's, not many black metal vocalists that are there's not many vocalists period that goes over the top as he does on i mean he's like the jeff buckley of you know of extreme singing yeah yeah that's that's an interesting <laughs> way of putting it but uh yeah but anyways but before we get on to legion era we have a couple tunes from the uh the opus nocturne record uh, materialize in stone this is sort of a live staple uh, mm-hmm. That they, they constantly play, and this is really the last, truly um, ultimate kind of Bathory ode that you hear out of Marduk. And I don't know if the, the they kind of always keep Bathory in their back pocket because of uh, because of the fact that you know Bathory was Swedish, and so they probably grew up with a little bit more Bathory than maybe some of the other you know Norwegian bands grew up with. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't yeah. know why that's the the black metal sound, traditional black metal sound they always go back to. You know them and Frost a little bit, but um, 
you know, Celtic Frost is what I meant. But, you know, Materializing Stone is sort of a perfect mid-pace Marduk song before they kind of enter their, their speed era, I guess. Um, now, you had, originally, we were going to play a longer tune from this record, uh, from Subterranean Throne Profound. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, that was one that you, that you had kind of wanted to play. Do you remember what you were? I don't even know if I wrote any notes. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know. <laughs> I, probably I, didn't, don't remember. I didn't know if there was a, a specific, uh, you know, reason that you were you were grabbing that song. or if it just It's right for diversity, or like, uh, it encapsulated probably, like, everything they did different on that record. Sure. I'm, I'm guessing, sure. but... And then we've got uh, Untrodden Paths, Wolves Part Two, so our first uh, you know brilliant sequel, and that's got a really cool uh, bass guitar, sort of doing some cool like tremolo scale interplay that reminds me of sort of what Dawn did. Yeah, and um, it's, I mean, it, even if it's it is relatively fast when they're playing, but it's still there's enough variation in it where it's not just like beating you over the head. Because mm-hmm. really, after like going through you know ten albums, coming up with some playlists you said you had a shows. <laughs> I mean, and I listen to stuff all the time, but that the middle era is just like, oh my god, you know, it's it beats you down. And I guess if it's year after year, if you're just into it for the pure extremity of it, but I, I listen to this kind of stuff every single day. Yeah, and this is that's I'd like to have a little bit of variation because otherwise, what's what's the point of, of being extreme if it's constantly extreme? Like have have like some swells where you can recover and then you get beaten again. Sure, it makes it that much more. And it's it's one know, of the reasons relevant, you know that Mark and I have talked. You know, I mean. I mean, we've been in this thing for for 20 years, you know, um, as long as some of these bands have been playing since the yeah. the late 80s, early 90s and stuff. Uh, and we've been into metal in some capacity. I mean, I certainly wasn't listening to black metal in 1989 or anything. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to... I was I was 11, so I don't think I had access to that kind of stuff. But, you know, things get boring after a while, you know? Like, I'm not really fascinated by what Deicide's doing these days and they might be great if you're a hardcore Deicide fan mm-hmm. but there are certain bands I think you know your Dark Thrones and a few others that like I, I don't mind the uh, I don't want to say I don't want to call Dark Throne meat and potatoes but the simple simplified consistent approach that Dark Throne has well and Dark Throne is as raw as all their stuff is it's still listenable it's very, it's very catchy yeah. yeah and it's not as like obnoxious speed or just obnoxious blast beats and just and there, I mean, there's there's variation in. I mean, there's always variation in speed. There's no, Dark Throne's never really been a blazing band at mm-hmm. all by any means. So, and I think nowadays, in order to sort of you know get Mark and I's fancy, uh, you you have to sort of take a different approach to something. You know, like, yeah. Like I think of like a band like Obscura, like tech metal has been boring to me for a long time. But the way that they approached it, yeah. was with the, some emotion and some songwriting and things like that. Or it's not, yeah, it's not pure technicality. Yeah, you know, tombs. I mean, which is a, a mixture of all kinds of genres. I mean, you got to really sort of take what's been a genre convention and sort of shake it up. But we're, yeah, I mean, there's those those those, those people that are just purely genre fans too. That I just listen to black metal. Yeah, which is, I always find strange. But uh, you know, that's yeah, that's cool. But I don't. I I don't understand exactly where you're coming from in that because I I have to have, I have to have variation everything in my life if it's all the same thing it seems kind of ridiculous yeah it's like <laughs> that's like, that's like a really that's more like a teenage mentality I would have like oh I can't listen to this music because it's not, it's not cool. screaming or yeah, you know, whatever exactly you know or I only watch horror movies that's it I don't believe yeah. in comedies you know like <laughs> life is grim you know life is horror and and so life is pain I, I think that's you know before if you're a, if you're like a hardcore devoted Marduk fan I don't want us to sort of come across when we sort of do a little bit more con- condemnation of the middle era mm-hmm. you know in terms of like 
we don't hate it. It's not bad. It's not badly played. It's not badly recorded. It's just that could have been your. It's just sort of uninteresting. Yeah, it could be your point or something. Yep. You know, I mean, if you know, Panzer Division or World Funeral is your first Marduk record, you're going to be sentimentally attached to that. But really, for Mark and I, I would say it's probably this early era, and then certainly the last three records that that sort of hold a, a lot of weight with us. But but anyways, we um we've got. Materialize in Stone, and then the aforementioned Untrodden Path, Part uh, Wolves Part Two, which you could also find this on the Tribute to Euronymous, which uh, what was that was that Necropolis. Necropolis thing? put that out, which is actually in hindsight pretty cool compilation. You know, I mean, yeah, it, at the time it seemed like it was pandering. But. Yeah, but you know, thorns and a lot of mm-hmm. cool stuff on there. And then uh, our first of two songs from the Heaven Shall Burn record, which we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back. And this is uh, one of Mark's favorites, uh, Black Tormentor of Satan. <laughs> uh, song for your grandma on the holidays so enjoy
That was Black Tormentor of Satan, Untrodden Paths, Wolves, Part 2. And then we opened things up with Materialize in Stone uh, from Opus Nocturne. Uh, we're kind of on the topic of Heaven Shall Burn uh, when we are gathered, which is, uh, they put this out in 96. This is their first record where they've moved away from Dan Swano. Uh, so that's kind of a big move for them. Uh, they've gone to Abyss Studios, as we mentioned before, Peter Tack Green. And the, the stuff you were hearing just in that last tune, it's probably some of the most interesting guitar patterns I've heard them do at this point. You know, mm-hmm. that, that breakdown of the 315 mark is like pure kind of Nagelfar dissection, which everything drops out. Yeah. It's like really like discordant. I mean, it's very like triumphant and kind of, you know, stuff like that. Um, there's some cool like downtune noodling that we were kind of listening to that, that yeah. uh, Morgan was doing there where I couldn't tell if it was a bass or not. And you had to point out that you're I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure, sure it was, it was a guitar. guitar, but yeah, like we're actually having like through all that, you know, the flurry of notes and speed and everything. We actually have something to like grab onto mm-hmm. outside of just being, you know, like hanging on and being yeah. dragged through it, <laughs> being bumbled. <laughs> And uh, the next tune we're going to hear off this is also the name of one of their their kind of big bigger live records, along with Live in Germania, and it's Infernal Eternal, and uh, very sweeping, blazing, kind of uh, typical Swedish black metal. But what's interesting about this is uh, this is uh, the Master Disharmony Dima Borger riff uh, that seems to have magically walked off of this Marduk record onto a Dima Borger in Throwing yep. Darkness Triumphant, and uh, it's it's the the last thing they do on this note is different. It from well, the Dima Borger, it, game, but you if know, you so. if you put them side by side, the Dima Borger one's a little bit more focused. This yeah. one has a little bit more feeling to it, I think. Yeah. But yeah, but it's it's definitely uh, along the same lines. I yeah. can see where it might have came from. Well, and Tack Green produced both records. Maybe had uh, maybe had some master tapes laying fault. around, and uh, you know, hey, write a song like this. This sounds good, you know. But uh, anyways, uh, Master Disharmony, Disharmony is still a pretty cool demo song, which is kind of an oxymoron these days. There's not a lot of cool demo songs anymore, but. Um, so anyways, Heaven Shall Burn, this is sort of the the, the end of a, an era, if you will. Um, you know, they're, they're sort of promoting the fast, blazing stuff. It seems like there's a lot more at the forefront, less mm-hmm. of the atmospheric kind of bathory riffing. And where we're going to go uh, after Infernal Eternal is into a pair of songs from Nightwing. And this was an album, I'll, I'll tell you, I completely overlooked this when this came out back in the day. Oh, and, and judging by the cover, it's uh, it's awful. Yeah. The yeah. cover's awful. And this seems to be from the research that Mark and I kind of conducted. Uh, Osmos put out in 98, again, another Tat Green production. This seems to be kind of, you know, viewed as one of uh, the Marta fan masterpieces. Yeah. And, and it's, um, we actually, actually, we didn't go into any of the... Well, it's just it's just beginning, right? The blood, uh, blood war, and death trilogy of Nightwing, Panzer, and Legrand Dans Macabre. Yeah, which we'll talk a little bit more in, in part two in terms of what the the thematic elements of it were. But you kind of hear it, it, it. The the album is divided into two parts, right? Mm-hmm. And what what's the translation diction are in Farnell? Do you remember what the what that means? Which is chapter one. That's the first half of the record, which is all fast, blazing sort of stuff. No, Do you remember? Did you find it? Well, while Mark's looking for that, uh, the first chapter is Dictionar Infarnal, and then chapter two, the second half of the record, uh, which has Nightwing kind of as the dividing point, the title track, is the Warlord of Wakalia, uh, Wallachia, actually, which is a region of Eastern Europe where, of course, you know, Vlad... Uh, Vlad Dracul came from, and it's actually pretty uh, pretty cool. The second half of the record, in terms of the lyrical content, yeah, which is something before that's been kind of like blatant anti-Christianity and and you know kind of fantasy type 
yeah. sort of stuff, I guess. And uh, this is more like a historical documentation of, of the sort of the life of Dracula. And, it, you know, if you were to read it, it almost reads like a textbook, some of the lyrics, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, he made a treaty with the Turkish and the Turkish treaty was broken. And, and I mean, it just sort of goes on. And as a history teacher, it kind of, you well, know, this also had joy. weird connotations for me with the name Nightwing since it's, uh, you know, it's what Robin became from <laughs> Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teen Titans, so, woo, yeah. you know. Uh, but it's it's an interesting record, if if not schizophrenic, you know. Mm-hmm. And they purposely set the record up to be schizophrenic, whereas the first half is this blazing speed, which is predictive of, of Marduk's future over the next couple. Well, even of the second half, we've got it's it slows down for a bit, but By you, you can like, you can feel Domini they're like, come on, stuff. man, we gotta we gotta blast this out again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the two tunes we decided, we picked one from the first half of the record of Hell's Fire, which is uh, one of, another fan favorite. They play this song live quite a bit. Again, never breathes, <laughs> blazing. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that's ever, even memorable is really the ending, you know, of Hell's Fire. He kind of yeah. says it over and over. It's pretty catchy, and you kind of grab onto it. And then from the second half, Dreams of Blood and Iron, um, it's got, again, that sort of slowed down Celtic Frost, Bathory kind of pacing. Um, it reminded me of a tune that we're going to be playing in part two uh, from ROM 512, mm-hmm. which is called the Q-Zero Poser. And... Uh, Oh, kind of doomy, and this is the the Dracula kind of stuff. So, and the record also has another tune called "Slay the Nazarene," which we don't have time to play, but we should mention is pretty hip because it has a sweet Wicker Man cover. So, oh, the uh, sample, the sample, yeah, 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 I think the Wicker Man Edward, Woodward or whoever's doing, yeah, it. the Equalizer who just passed away. <laughs> so, and uh, Dreams of Blood and Iron also uh, detecting a Mana Mark vibe. So, let me know what you think. So, enjoy uh, Infernal Eternal of Hell's Fire and Dreams of Blood and Iron.
Dreams of Blood and Iron, Of Hell's Fire, and Infernal Eternal. Those last two, of course, from the aforementioned Nightwing. Um, and we're going to be ending things with the first of two songs uh, that we'll be playing from Panzer Division, Marduk, which is the next record we'll talk about at the beginning of part two. So tune in for that or look for that next week. And uh, it's Baptism by Fire. And uh, we'll talk a lot. Uh, it actually has a catchy vocal line. It does. That you it remember. Does. It does. Uh, that's, that's, that was probably the biggest thing of those the last you know era of records is like there's nothing memorable to pull out of it yeah. at least for 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 my ears yeah so. it was a memorable riff but nothing like sing-along ear there's yeah. nothing like you could kind of you know grasp onto but uh hopefully you've enjoyed the introduction to marduk we're gonna get uh dive into it a lot more in part two so let us know what you think uh send us an email at requiem podcast at gmail.com or check us out on the website requiem podcast.com uh, and uh you know leave us a review on itunes or something so um but we got to get out of here it's uh we got to go as blazing fast as baptism by fire will be going so uh for marduk part one i'm jason and i'm mark Yeah.